You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Liverpool! Liverpool do the business, and they confirm a spot in the knockout stages. Ajax as well, the goal-scoring machine that is Ajax. They also join Juventus and Bayern Munich in the knockout stages. And we have a few more clubs that bow out, including Shakhtar and AC Milan. PSG only get a point against Jesse Marsh. And we got this and so much more. Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy Conrad and his new haircut. Heath Pierce uh, hanging out with Will Farrell. This and much, much more Champions League. Que golazo weekend Rica begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso, our Champions League Wednesday match day for recap. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Thank you, 4,000 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you so much. It's because of you. So thank you. All of us are clapping. And please keep bringing your friends, your family. I can't emphasize this enough. And we want to hear from you in this show. If you're a Liverpool supporter, how happy are you? Ajax, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from everybody. Drop the questions for Jonathan Johnson about PSG. Drop Jimmy Conrad a question about anything you want. Americans as well. No, he, oh no, he's got his Vuvuzela. So you might you may get the answer now Vuvuzela every single time. And his ears will tell you everything about him being an anchorman three very very soon as well. But welcome everybody. And by the way, if you're listening to this on up uh, on a podcast, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, etc., etc. Right there. Champions League Wednesday recap. A lot of action. A lot to discuss. Let's begin with Heath Pierce. Looking good today. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Thank you. Uh, just thinking about every time we say JJ, I think about the most important JJs in my life. And I think about Jonathan <laughs> Johnson. I think about Jermaine Janus. And I think about uh, Jermaine Jones. The That's three, the, the list. Three, That's the only one, right? That's the, yeah, yeah. This JJ is top of the list. I mean, what have the other two done for me today? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what have you done for me lately? Jimmy Conrad, how are you, bud? Good haircut. Looking so good. You know what? I appreciate that. But uh, hopefully it's not as an unsettling as Heath Pierce without a mustache or any kind of facial hair. It's really throwing me <laughs> off right now. He looks about 10 years younger. Great to see young Keith joining <laughs> us today. But no, another exciting round of games in the Champions League. Excited to dig in and all to the details with all you guys. Absolutely. Hey, Jonathan Johnson, our producer, Des Norris, says uh, when Heath was saying your favorite JJ's, no love for JJ or Kocha as well, right? I mean, he needs to be added in that, JJ, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I really expected to be at least below him on the list, but you know, glad to have uh, glad to have made it above uh, the re the rest. In uh, you're number in, in one. Do you want to be number one or no? I mean, I'm delighted. I'm delighted. I'm delighted. Can't make anyone happy anymore. You know, I'm delighted to be number one. I'm not delighted because I made the mistake of having a watch party based around PSG's game with RB Leipzig. Oh, you did? Well, we're going to talk about that, everybody. Don't worry about it. And as we mentioned, if you have a question or a comment, please drop them in. And we're going to, if we don't bring it up, if we don't say it, at the very least, uh, our producer, Des Norris, will show it on the screen. But look, we have a great team today. Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson. Oh, no, already they're coming in. Thank you so much. That's from Juan Trong. Heath and Jimmy, I do agree with you on your recent podcast. You are very handsome indeed. Wow. Indeed. Wow. What a way to wait start. 
I love that. <laughs> that's not something I would say. That's something Jimmy would say. But if the people agree, I'm not going to stop them. You know. Well, I think uh, <laughs> I, I think that account was Jimmy's burner account that just yeah. said that, right? <laughs> I can't confirm or deny any rumors at this time. But busted. You can't uh, see Jimmy's hands. He's always tweeting in on these shows, you know, or live commenting. Uh, by the way, Jimmy and Heath have a USMNT hour every single week, and of course, that gets really tasty next week so make sure that you do it by the way tell us where you're uh, coming in from where you're tuning in where you're watching this uh we would love to hear from you we love the fact that this show is super international so please let us know all right let's begin liverpool my goodness what a team they beat atletico madrid two nothing basically Nobody, including Diego Simeone, was not prepared for Trent Alexander-Arnold in this one. Felipe with an interesting red card, which we'll talk about in a second. But Liverpool win Group B, and they confirm a knockout stage spot. Nobody really um, argued with that one. Nobody thought that it wouldn't happen. But just the manner that they have controlled this group. Let's begin with you, Jimmy Conrad. Liverpool against Atletico Madrid. Another great performance from Jurgen Klopp's side. Yeah, 100%. We knew that, and we talked about it in the preview, that Mosulah was probably going to get stacked up, right? They were going to probably commit more numbers to slowing him down. That was going to create space for other players. Now, I thought that was going to be the front line. Well, it turned out Trent Alexander-Arnold was going to get a little more space to hit some crosses from a deep line area. Maybe not too deep, but deep enough to put it into good spots. I actually thought Felipe for Atletico Madrid was very poor. I was disappointed to see him start, frankly. Let's leave the red card aside. His positioning, his his lack of awareness on the first goal that Diogo Jota, by the way, who's probably five foot nothing, uh, scores on a header is crazy to me. The ball bounces and he can score on a header. Anytime we see the little guys, it happens for Man City too, score on headers. You're like, how is that even possible? These it was a skip. Doing? It wasn't a bounce. It was a skip. It skipped to his head height. That's fair. He's That's, not getting to a amazing. bouncer. No, I know? should give more credit to Trent Alexander-Arnold <laughs> for whipping in that ball, but... Uh, it was clear that they put a lot of emphasis on slowing down Mo Salah. They did that to, to some effect, but that allowed other players to step up and take advantage of that. Then once the red card hit, I don't even know if the red card even mattered. There was only one team on the field that was really trying to get after it, and I thought that was Liverpool. I think for me, this really confirms like this second win that Liverpool are enjoying. I mean, skip back a couple of months. I remember we were all debating, you know, sort of, was this approaching the end of the Jurgen Klopp Liverpool era? And suddenly they now look like one of the most formidable sides mm -hmm. in Europe. You know, I think the way they've performed so far in this group has been really, really impressive. Uh, the result didn't surprise me that much, to be honest. Uh, mm. Good to see Sadio Mane backing up my uh, my confidence in the, the pre-match predictions. Uh, and it's, I mean, they they are definitely one of the, the, the teams that has impressed me the most so far. I mean, obviously, when you've got a team of Liverpool's talent, uh, you know, you, you expect them to be able to produce those sorts of results. But, you know, their group stage performance so far has been pretty much perfection. Yeah, I, one of the things I wanted to obviously say about that is, is I know we were talking about how good the form of Trent Alexander-Arnold has been this year, but I think more credit needs to be given to the fact of being left off of that Euros roster and for a player of his size or his caliber to be able to bounce back and take that on the chin and then actually see that rise in form and consistency, I think some credit should go to that. And then, and then obviously lethal is the only way that I can describe Liverpool when they get in and around the goal, they don't seem to miss chances and it doesn't matter who it's falling to. It's like a domino effect that as soon as that attack begins, they're just so clinical and they're, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's hard to describe that. If you're not watching the way that they play right now, it's hard to describe that one, two, three passes. They're in the box and it's a finish every single time. Yeah. They create a lot of opportunities, but when it looks like that buildup coming, you can almost see the goals happening from from very early on. And then, again, the, 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 the entry pass, the final pass, the finish, they're all sort of world-class levels right now. And that's almost impossible to stop.
Yeah, I agree with all the sentiments being shared. Liverpool definitely look like one of the best teams in the world. With regard to Elliot's comment about Atletico Madrid, I was really surprised at how listless they did come out. They, they didn't look a little un, uninspired. I thought, as I mentioned, they had a tremendous performance against Real Betis uh, this past weekend, 3-0. Kind of comprehensive on both sides of the ball. That was only their fifth clean sheet out of 20 games so far, and they didn't get a clean sheet in this one. So five out of 21 for a team managed by Diego Simeone unacceptable in a lot of different ways. They had the firepower, didn't actually mind their starting lineup. I was surprised to see Rodrigo De Paul actually in the center midfield. I thought Condogbia would start because that would be one more person to kind of keep an eye on Salah. They went a little bit more attacking and didn't have anything. There was real no purpose in their game. Now, it's sometimes when you see teams, that, and they didn't get a shot on target, by the way, either. Is it is it more Liverpool's pressure or is it more the opposing team? And I think Liverpool can really stifle you. And if they get those early goals, it really can take the wind out of your sails. A couple notes and fun facts I got here for you, though. First time in club history that Liverpool have won the first four matches in the group stage for them to qualify. Wow. They're going to win Group B. The other one is they're unbeaten in their last 25 matches in all competitions, 18 wins and seven draws. Their last loss was 3-1 uh, at Real Madrid in last season's Champions League quarterfinal, the first leg. It really speaks to what JJ was saying, that this team is really in their second win, becoming very formidable and arguably one of the best teams in Europe. Yeah, well, 13 goals scored in Group B. They've only conceded five. And if you all remember, I wish those Norris could roll the tape. I did have Liverpool as one of my sneaky favorites <laughs> to win the whole thing. So I ask you again, everybody, after you've seen what they've done and the, what they continue to do, not just in the group stage, but also, of course, in the Premier League and how they continue to rise, do you have Liverpool higher up your power rankings in the Champions League if they weren't there already? JJ? Yeah, I think they definitely have to be up there among the favourites at the moment. I think maybe the only real concern for Liverpool between now and the end of the season uh, is that, you know, they don't manage to maintain this level of intensity. I don't have too many worries about them at this moment in time, looking at the way that they're performing uh, both domestically and continentally. But a lot can change, uh, you know, especially in and around Christmas time, as we know, with the busy schedule in uh, in the Premier League. Yeah. But at this moment in time, it's really, really difficult to to, to pick out many better teams uh, than them, both in terms of their Champions League and uh, and and league form. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think the only thing that that I would add is that they're not even at their best when you look at Virgil Van Dyke and the and and the ability that he has. He seems kind of in that ninety percentile, and of course, no player is ever at hundred percent once the season starts. They're constantly battling something, but for him, from a confidence level and leading that back line, they can only get better. And at this point. They're already one of the teams. So I think that upside or them surprising me or going even further is going to be based on that ability for that backline defensively because, it, you know, you go into the Champions League, you go into the knockout rounds, it just takes one poor day or one off day where your team's not cohesive. We know they can score the goals, but if they're going to give those up, they can find themselves out of the tournament as well. But I can think, I think at this point, they're, they, they, they still have room to get better, which, which uh, is exciting. Yeah, I agree again with you guys. I mean, some good points here. And Daniel Kane. That's a great comment. Liverpool versus Bayern Munich in the final feels like Thanos, inevitable. What I'll, <laughs> what I'll say, and I love that comment, Liverpool just has to remain healthy. And I feel like it has to be a very, very special team. And a lot of things have to go your way if you want to actually try to win the Premier League and the Champions League in the same season. And I think that's a tall order. And at some point, I think you're going to hit that fork in the road and you have to decide which competition mean, means more. And I'd have to say with regard to Liverpool, winning the league, might mean a little bit more than the Champions League. Maybe I'm wrong, and if anybody wants to comment about it, any Liverpool fans out there that want to say otherwise, hit us up on Twitter, let us know in the chat, whatever it is. But but I feel like the Premier League is still their number one. Yeah, well, Elias uh, brings up a very good point in the comments about the fact of the African Cup of Nations, of course, and how that will be a, a factor within. Alex Martinez from Waco. Atletico has been overrated for a long time. 
bad things to happen to big clubs for them to do anything. Their coach should be fired. Alex, calm Ooh, down. Are you a Real Madrid fan over here, I think? Listen, first of all, I think that and I, fans of La Liga are probably going to get upset, but I think this just shows sometimes why the Premier League can be very dominant. Uh, when you have a team like Liverpool feeling so good, I mean, they're clearly one of the best teams in the Premier League, but Atletico Madrid has not looked imposing at all in the entire season. And I think when you face a giant like Liverpool at this moment, you're going to showcase that. All right, we're not going to stick with just this game for the entire scenario. We've got plenty more to come, but please smash that like button if you haven't already and keep those comments coming. I love it. We've got Waco NYC. Tell us where you're watching and give us some more questions for Jimmy, Heath and JJ. Speaking of JJ, Paris Saint-Germain, JJ, as they draw Two, oh, he's already shaking his head against Jesse Marsh <laughs> and Leipzig. Uh, Jenny Wijnaldum, though, uh, a person you interviewed for CBS Sports, he got a nice little brace. Donnarumma with a big save. Couldn't save another penalty, which was uh, Dominic Chavez-Lai's uh, equalizer. So it ends 2-0 as Leipzig uh, tie PSG. And it's not necessarily that favorable in terms of the Champions League for Jesse Marsh, but a point-to-point against Paris Saint-Germain, JJ. Yeah, absolutely. When I was shaking my head, I wasn't shaking my head at Jesse Marsh. And, no, and I know. I I'd like to point out that I did uh, tip them for the draw. Uh, I went for 1-1 nice. instead of 2-2. But uh, no, I was. there's so much to unpack from that game. I thought PSG's beginning of the match was catastrophic. Uh, it, you know, they deserved to be down by more than a goal by the time they got back uh, into it. Delighted for Genie Wijnaldum to finally get, uh, you know, off the mark. I think that'll do wonders for his confidence. But PSG have so much to be thankful for with Gianluigi Donnarumma in goal, being so formidable when it comes to, to saving uh, penalties. And, you know, I think it was written that Christopher and Kunku was going to score in one of these two games <laughs> against PSG. Uh, and it's just surprising, really, that PSG didn't concede again, uh, you know, right up until the end. Obviously, a very disappointing way to uh, to do it. But, you know, I think we probably all knew that that kind of result was coming. PSG once again looking far from convincing. Uh, and, you know, it just adds more fuel to the fire that, you know, is uh, building around Pochettino at this moment in time because, you know, I've really struggled to be blown away by PSG at any point this season. And I'm one of those people who would have tried to be as positive about PSG where possible. Yeah. Yeah. I see the color of that shirt you're wearing. That's a very PSG <laughs> color you got on today. And don't say it's the lighting either. I'll take it from the the, the, the RB Leipzig side. Oddly, and, and this may seem bizarre, but for Jesse Marsh specifically, this seems like a huge result, right? I think for this team to be able to get that, they're obviously struggling. It gets them off of the goose egg of points in the in, in the group. And obviously, they're not going to make it to the knockout rounds, but a big step forward. And I look at it, and Zobislai scoring that penalty at the end sort of feels like a reward for Jesse Marsh, who had him at, R, at uh, RB Salzburg before, starting to find that cohesion. But I look at Silva and the penalty, and I went back and I looked at his stats from last year, obviously, in the Bundesliga with, with Eintracht Frankfurt. 28 goals. And five assists. And obviously, he's got two goals, two assists right now. You can see what kind of informed striker he was. I mean, that was more than double his his greatest season ever uh, last season. And, and, and that sort of wind has been taken out of his sails. And it seems not confident, obviously, dealing with some injuries as well. But overall, I just look at Jesse Marsh and I say, this has to be a good result if you look at the team that he have. Obviously, Nkuku, Nkuku scoring, 
uh, a goal, another big step forward for them. I know it doesn't really fit the narrative of them not getting results overall and that they should do better for, for an RB Leipzig and the talent that they have. But I think it's a, a, a at least something positive for Jesse Marsh to take from it. Ho hopefully, uh, the Red Bull uh, board, a uh, global board, uh, sees him as as somebody that can continue to take this project forward. Yeah, with regard to RB Leipzig, I, I'm with you on that for Jesse Marsh's perspective. I hope that this is a, a result that, that gives them some momentum, puts some wind behind their backs so they can start to like get some, ah, just, just string some things together because they seem to be a little unlucky. Even today, missing a penalty, Andre Silva can't really find his feet. He was awesome last year for Eintracht Frankfurt, not as much for RB Leipzig. So I hope that that happens for them. It'd just be nice for all the players included, obviously, and the fans. Now, this is my question for JJ. I look at this PSG team, and, and I don't know what the best lineup is for them. And I don't know if Mauricio Pochettino knows either. It seems like he's trying to find that balance between hard workers and his super talented world-class guys. But I just don't know if, if it's there. I don't know if they have that right collection. And, and if so, I mean, they can't go out and spend any more money. They've spent all that they need to spend, ultimately. So I'm, I want to throw it at you because I'm frustrated. I'm not even a PSG fan. That's not true, Jimmy. They went and got all these players for free this summer. They haven't spent anything, you know? That's true. That's true. But to them, it's free. I wanted yeah. to get your thoughts, JJ, because I know you're kind of living and, and breathing with it every single day. You know what? And it's going to sound like a real cop-out because we come back to this point every single time. But PSG are only as good as Marco Verratti's fitness. And when mm. he's not on the pitch, PSG is just not the same it's team. Insane. It's insane. Yeah, but when exactly so when you're built around just one player and he's that integral, surely, surely logic tells you that you go out and find someone who, okay, you're not going to be able to find a player who can do everything that Marco Verratti can do, but you look to try and find someone who can deliver sort of part of that package, especially on the creative side of things. Have PSG done that? Not just this summer just gone, but the last couple of years, they haven't. You know, with all due respect to guys like Genie Wijnaldum, to Ander Herrera for all the goals he's scoring, Idris Agey, uh, you know, for the, the prowess he's showing in front of goal this season. PSG don't have another really creative central midfielder aside from Marco Verratti. And when he's not in the team, they don't click. And this was before Messi came in. Uh, it's been a problem, you know, since Neymar, since Mbappe arrived at the club. It's been a problem for years. And, you know, since PSG moved on from the likes of Thiago Motta and the likes of Blaise Matuidi, there's been such importance placed on Marco Verratti so that when he misses games like he's doing at the moment because the injury he picked up against Marseille, they're just not the same team. And, and that's just one of a number of problems Pochettino is facing. You know, he hasn't had, uh, you know, a full pick of, of fit players, uh, you know, at any point so far this season. He's dealing with a rebuilt squad, which, you know, okay, I'm sure the majority of coaches in Europe, their heart bleeds at that at that thought, given the players that are available to to Pochettino. But you know, they it's I, I wrote something about this uh, ahead of the game. Sure, uh, you know we can we can have a bit of sympathy with Pochettino up to a point, but also at the same time, you know, if he can't get all of these star guys out onto the pitch, there's going to come a point where it starts not really mattering and all at the end of the day that's going to matter is the performances and the results and at the moment the performances aren't that good and the results are starting to catch up with them as well they've lost against Rennes in the league they drew against Marseille they've now drawn here they've drawn away at Brugge as well you know how long before the the, the pressure really really starts to build on Pochettino because you've got Leonardo having to answer questions about it publicly already yeah well listen uh and and Huang uh 
agrees with you. Uh, this is, you know, Verratti's absence obviously affects PSG. Uh, they look disjointed, etc. But here's my little tiny violin look playing. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, if you, by the way, are a PSG fan or you uh, concur with uh, Jonathan Johnson or want to say something, please hit that like button and tell us what you would like to do to fix Paris Saint-Germain. Alex Martinez, PSG, has lazy players up top. He only needs two lazy players at a time on the field. Alex is coming with the hot takes today. I feel like... Uh, <laughs> he's not He's not wrong. I mean, not, you see well, the game... I was going to say... I, I was going to say... the wrong he, way. Uh, yeah. Effective. Uh, the other way uh, would, would, is, is the better way to put it. But you can't... Teams are good enough now where you have fullbacks. The modern game has fullbacks that are comfortable on the ball. Center halves that are comfortable on the ball. And you can break down pressure. If you have too many players picking off, it doesn't matter how good your press is. Your press can only be as good as one or two players that can maybe cut off the line. You see with Zlatan now, he still at least forces the game a certain way and he's 40 years old. It makes the game predictable around him. But when you have three players just sort of drifting back for the transition game, it's impossible yeah. to press anything. Well, no I, was gonna, I was going to add, I was, uh, I was going to tell, I was telling our producer Des Norris to add a, a tweet. I think it's been taken away now because of uh, copyright infringement, how Neymar was tying his shoe. There was a point where the center back of uh, Leipzig was, it was coming towards the ball, towards the half, and uh, everybody was pressing PSG. PSG, the, the, the trio, or at least the duo of PSG, was pressing. Neymar was tying his shoe. The defender's going towards Neymar, and instead of you know Neymar just standing up and going, oh my God, let me press, he just sticks his leg out while still tying his shoe. I mean, that's just, it's not good enough, Jonathan Johnson. It's just not good enough, and I'm a... I, I'm going to tell you something right now. I am the biggest defender of Neymar Jr. for a long time because I just think, I just go back to the romanticism of him at Santos. And I always like to think about that kind of player, but it's, it's not him. I'm not making him a skateboard, but come on. Verratti completely agree, but come on, get it together. I mean, this is the Champions League. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, I don't think it's good enough. Uh, and I think you can really extend that to the majority of PSG's attack. Uh, you know, Mbappe is also guilty of not doing enough to press. Uh, I'd say that Di Maria does make an effort from time to time, but he's not the kind of guy that you can expect 90 minutes of press from. And Pochettino is a guy who thrives on pressing. That's when he really is able to yeah. stamp his identity on a team. Absolutely. And that is one of the reasons why he's struggling so much. So I, I can't really defend, uh, you know, Neymar and Mbappe, uh, you know, the guys who are supposed to defend from the front uh, because it, it's just impossible to do. Jimmy, read this one. Read this one on the what, screen, Jimmy Conrad. Was, uh, Larry Preston. Hi, Larry. I'm sorry I'm a USA fan and I wasn't impressed with Tyler Adams. At one point he was compared to Conte. He's no Conte. No, of course. I mean, Wait, I think Jimmy, we have... Jimmy, before you before you say that, Larry doesn't have to apologize for being a USA fan, just so he knows. Yes, that, yeah, you know? that's a good point. Don't, don't ever preface it with a sorry, okay? It's okay to yeah. be a USA fan. We I all kinda, suffer together. No, nah, you should apologize. <laughs> but, uh, Conte? Who's compared Tyler Adams to Conte? Somebody well, tell me right everyone. now. We do, we do have a tendency over here in the States uh, to overhype our players, I think much to their detriment. Uh, and I feel like in some, some ways we've softened a bit. After we've had a couple busts, let's say along the way, <laughs> maybe looking at you, Freddie, you do maybe not. I'm just busts, throwing that yeah. out there, right? He's he's our yeah. benchmark for for. Uh, All right, well, talk to me about Tyler Adams. Adams then, because yeah, he did have a little bit of a rough game. He did have a rough game. They played a back three, and he's in there trying to do. You know, he got into it a little bit. I saw him scrapping with Di Maria. I'm, I'm okay with him being a little chippy. I think that's one of his strengths is getting in there and caring and trying to do a little bit too much. But there are times where he needs to make the game, not necessarily make the game, but he has to transition the team in a, maybe in a more meaningful way than he does at times. Maybe what's being asked of him in that position. It wasn't his best look. He's been in and out of the lineup. He might have been trying too hard. There's a lot of different things that could 
play into this, but uh, I'm hopeful that he's good against Mexico. I mean, that's all we really care about as a USA fan, right? Let's go. Come on, Larry no. Preston. Oh, here we go. I've, I've, actually, I've, actually, I've actually got a question for Heath and Jimmy. Bearing in mind Tyler Adams' performance against PSG in Paris, where he played the ball back, uh, it was a poor back pass, allowed PSG to get back into the game when Leipzig were leading. Would you have put him into the starting eleven for this game if it was your choice? Because I wouldn't have. L looking at how he performed uh, in that game in Paris, uh, I I, th I thought that he, uh, yes, he was a little naive, but he also, uh, you know, looked like a. He kind of looked overawed by the fact he was up against the likes of Messi uh, and Mbappe that game. Uh, yeah. and I, that would have been a worry for me. Yeah, I, and and quite honestly, he hasn't started his last couple games in the Bundesliga. He's been coming off of the bench uh, for the team. And so I was actually surprised. And Jimmy, I, I want to know your take too. If, if you were surprised that Tyler Adams was back on, I'd been watching it. Usually Tyler Adams is in and out. Obviously, he plays at the holding midfield spot or he's played in this sort of withdrawn wing back spot at times. Uh, but but him being put back into the starting lineup, especially after that first uh, that first match against PSG, and then him being on the bench the last couple of games, I was I was a little bit shocked at that. And and again, I think sometimes he 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 tries to overextend himself or do a little bit too much. And with the national team, he's kind of found we've kind of found that little bit of a uh, of a box that he plays in the parameters of which he provides for the team uh, on a global or larger stage. I think he's challenging himself and maybe putting himself out there too much. That's causing some of these mistakes. We're not having the best performances. No, what I jump in and say really quick is the last time he got 90 minutes was against uh, Bobblesburg in the DFB Pokal a week ago. Uh, he played 25 minutes at Sano against Gucci Firth, where RB Leipzig won 4 1. But he did play 90 against PSG in Paris. And he ended up giving up a ball that led to a goal that Messi ended up scoring. And maybe Jesse Marsh, obviously having a soft spot for Tyler Adams because he was with him at New York Red Bulls, they wanted to give him a chance to, to borrow a quote from. Dumb and Dumber, totally redeem himself, you know, and, and totally redeem yourself. And, and I think he was a little bit better today than he was when they played against PSG the last time, but that's not saying much because he wasn't as good there. It's, it's tough. I, I think that what you learn when you go over to Europe is you have to perform game in and game out. And he knows that everybody knows it. And, and that's changing over here in MLS with that. Those stakes are starting to get higher and higher, but, but, that that's one of those things. And when you're surrounded by a lot of talented players, you can do the job and maybe do it a little bit better. Those fine margins between what's good and what's great are, are, are very, are very important. And I don't think he's doing that enough consistently. Yeah. Some, you know, sometimes you have your day, sometimes you don't. I think Tyler Adams remains uh, the most important player for the USMNT to me, to me. I, I, I think he's, mm -hmm. he's, he's a fantastic, fantastic player. All right. Jonathan Johnson uh, has to do a few other things after this. He's got to write a couple of pieces apparently oh, get to work jj seriously but no seriously jonathan johnson we really appreciate you make sure that you follow him uh john underscore gossip and as well all his content on cbs sports final thoughts jonathan johnson before we say goodbye to you yeah i mean i guess uh you know sticking with that psg result just one more time at least it works out in a way that it now gives us a really great showdown between city and psg in the next game, uh, you know, and I think that's probably what everyone was hoping for. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, obviously uh, we were talking about the interview with uh, with with Simon Kier earlier in the week. Really, really disappointed to see Milan going out that way. I'm sure you guys will get into it a little bit more after the break. Uh, you know, but you know, as much as there's been some great football uh, this evening, there there was some fairly disappointing performances as well. And I'd, I'd rank uh, Milan up there and, you know, failing to get past Porto and at least keep it interesting for the final two games, uh, you know, uh, probably as one of my, my primary uh, takes from that. 
Well, Jonathan Johnson, we appreciate you, my friend. We will see you next time. Thank you, JJ. Thank you so much. As JJ says, goodbye to us. We are going to come back. We're going to take a break. But if you're watching this on YouTube, by the way, that literally just means half a millisecond. If you're listening on uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher, or any audio, that means a little break. And then we'll be back. And then we'll talk about Ajax, the amazing Ajax, uh, as they beat Borussia Dortmund and the wonder. That is Sebastian Aller. So we'll be back. Que golazo Wednesday Champions League. Que golazo Rica. We'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Hey, everybody, we're here. We told you not going anywhere. Tell us where you're coming from. Smash that like button. Ask the questions. Uh, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, who, by the way, are going to take over this show a lot next week as the US M&T return. Massive game against Mexico and then Jamaica as well. So much great content. All right, let's keep going here. Ajax, Heath Pierce. Ajax are so good. They book a spot in the knockout stages. They beat Borussia Dortmund four wins. They've scored 14 goals, only conceded two. I mean, where do I begin? What a great performance once again. Even though Borussia Dortmund did do their thing and try to sort of redeem themselves in this match. Ajax comes out victorious away from home. What do you make of Ajax? Yeah, oddly, when when Ajax were down 1-0, Mats Hummels was sent off for, for Dortmund, which obviously played in their favor, but Marco Royce scored a, a, a goal just after that to, to put up to put Dortmund up 1-0. And I thought, okay, obviously, there, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for Ajax, who are so good in the attack in this game. Dortmund actually had a couple of half chances in the run of play or against the run of play to, to give themselves a little bit of a cushion. It still would have been a huge leap to try to see this out without, uh, maybe you can pull off a point, but with that much time, 29th minute to get to the 90th minute would be hard against an Ajax team that's scoring. Overall, Ajax are just so dangerous and again, so fast in the attack. They remind me a little bit of the way Liverpool attack where obviously mm. you have so much quality. Anthony is one of the best players in the world he right now. When he gets isolated on the wing, one, he's entertaining. Two, he actually beats players, and, and he has some efficiency. He has a final product, his crossing, his final pass. All of those things are the things that are missing a lot of times when you have those creative players. When they're on the ball, they'll beat you a couple times. They'll put their foot on it, try to beat you again. And they don't have that final product, and he's one that I think is lifting this team to the next level. And then 
And then Hilaire, I mean, this is a guy that I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I was a little bit, I, I was a little bit shocked again, as I mentioned before, that when Ajax spent as much money as they did on him, a record signing for them for a transfer incoming, a player that's in the quote unquote prime of his career could be on the way out again within six months to somewhere else, doubling 14 or, or, goals and 15 games in all competitions. Heath Pierce, 14 it, and 15. Amazing. It's wild. And and to see them humble Dortmund, and I know Dortmund are going through a lot of uh, squad changes right now, rotations, injuries, things like that. Their depth is being tested. They obviously don't have their superstar uh, player who who can can score against anyone and keeps them into matches. But Ajax, are, I mean, Dortmund are still a team that's been on a crazy run of form in the Bundesliga. And for Ajax to put a beating on them the way that they have uh, these last two matches. It's just really impressive. And I, I look at the weaknesses. And again, it's not the youngest Ajax squad we've ever seen. And when we think about Ajax, we think about just teenage players across the board. They have a lot of experience in this team. And therefore, I'm putting them in this category of one of the better sides that I've seen from Ajax that, that actually could go on a deep run. You know, normally we look at Ajax in the same way that we look at RB Leipzig, which is like knockout rounds, great. You know, uh, quarterfinals, great. Semifinals, unbelievably successful. But this is a team that I, I think does have an actual chance to go as far as they want, and they have the quality and talent on the field as well as um, uh, playmakers that could, even on a bad day, keep them in matches. Yeah, I think what's interesting, and he's spot on with regard to Ajax and, and their chances, and maybe could even match the most recent great run they had into the 2018-2019 season when they got to the semifinals, and we really were unlucky to lose to Tottenham. Lucas Moore decided to be uh, the miracle man to, to make that happen, to get them into it. What I think is really impressive about Ajax not only the sign-in of Sebastian Allaire, but but the fact of how good they are defensively. Prior to this game, they'd only given up one goal in their previous nine in all competitions. So mm. now you make it two and ten. If they can be that stout defensively, then yes, I think they can make another great run. I mean, that you have to be solid on both sides of the ball to, to have a good run in the Champions League in particular. And Eric Ten Hag, I think, is really starting to push all the right buttons. And then as you talk about Anthony, it makes me wonder... As he starts to emerge as a real threat and maybe gets into the Brazilian national team on a more regular basis, and then you got the red-hot Vinicius Jr. on the other side who's absolutely crushing it for Real Madrid. Yeah, the future is back to being super bright for the Brazil uh, for the Brazilians who are crushing it in World Cup qualifying. And I think when you see all the players that are developing, they might be probably the favorite for the World Cup in 2022. I'm just throwing that out there, everybody. No, yeah, no, as, a, as a Peruvian Jimmy Conrad, it makes me so happy to, to hear <laughs> that Brazil just keeps uh, doing it. A few questions from, yeah, from sure. everybody, which I would love Heath and Jimmy to answer. Uh, back to Heath and then Jimmy, you please. Uh, first of all, the Mats Hummels red card, what do you think of that one? I didn't. I, I thought it was a little bit soft. Uh, obviously, his feet are up, and you have that typical thing where you're leaving it into the ref's hands, and when you can look at it from every which angle, I think it's tough to to argue. And when, when you have those, I actually, I believe it was my last ever major league soccer game. I got a red card. Don't tell anybody that. But I think I finished <laughs> my career on a red card where really? I I opened my legs up for those that are watching it, and and I opened my legs like this to get as big as I could to not let a player around me. So kind of in a scissor stance and went down when the player I ended up getting Dominic Aduro. I, I made contact with him, just tiny bit of contact, but not malicious in any way. But then I, I took it to appeal after I was sent off and I was like, this is insane. I've never, I like, there was no malicious intent. And they were like, yeah, but you showed both studs and you made contact. Therefore it was a, it was a red card. I still stand by that. And so same thing with, with, with the Hummels and maybe Jimmy feels different. Uh, I mean, you're putting it into somebody else's hands, but I thought that it, I, I personally, and as, as a defender, I always stand by the defenders. It was, it was a little Me soft too. of a red card. Well, then I think I know where Jimmy's going. No, Jimmy? yeah, yeah, of course. I'm going the same direction, but we, you know, anytime you leave your feet, 
then you do allow the decision to be made by a referee. You yeah, do allow when you for lose control of yourself. Yeah, 100%. And so that's kind of where I'll, I'll lean a little bit. So if you should never allow that to happen if your positioning is good. And if anybody that doesn't know Dominic Aduro, probably one of the fastest players to ever play in MLS. So I can understand why Heath was trying to catch him with his touch <laughs> showing. With regard to Ajax, I mean, right now, you know, well, they have a- as you answer that, Jimmy, there was a question. I think it was from Miguel. Really good question about like what what is stopping Ajax from winning the whole thing? I mean, for it's got to be health, right? I mean, if they lose Sebastian Allaire, you know, you lose that real pivot player up top that can help allow them to get more space to Anthony and Dusan Tadic out in the wings. Uh, they have a young goalkeeper in Pasphere who, you know, he's still trying to you know really establish himself. But everywhere else, they're, they're pretty solid. And, and I think they've got a nice balance of like the superstar mentality and the guys that are there to work hard and they know how to keep the ball. And they have one of the best holding midfielders for me, young mid- holding midfielders in, in Gravenberch uh, in their team. So And next to him, the Mexican Edson, Edson Alvarez. Alvarez. Who, yeah, know, there's no question. It's a good squad. And, yeah. and they got Davi Klaassen coming off the I mean, they got, you know, they got some depth as well. And I think that's going to be important as they manage any injuries. So Ajax, yeah, a bit of a dark horse to, I would well, let me say it like this. I wouldn't want to face them in the first round of the round of 16 in the knockout rounds. Yeah, I think I just we just got a comment from uh, Caleb about experience. Uh, Caleb, have you looked at the squad? It's it, there's experience in there. There's a dozen Acero Tadic, if you saw his goal. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of experience here. But I, I go back to Jimmy's point. I think Eric Ten Hag is a top three manager in the world right now. I mean, definitely Europe. I just I I think so highly of him. I'm actually really shocked that there was no more aggression from bigger clubs in the summer. I know I know that you got your Thomas Tuchel's, your Jurgen Klopp's, Pep Guardiola's. But in this moment, just from innovation, the things that I'm seeing, I love Eric Ten Hag so much. And I think he's going to be hopefully learning his lesson, right, from the last time when they played Tottenham in the semifinals. Yes, Jimmy? I got trivia for you guys. This is for okay. everybody else in the, in the chat that's listening or anybody. Here's this. Okay, Heath answers first. Sebastian Allaire. Yeah. Is only the fifth player in Champions League history to score in each of his first four appearances in the competition. Okay. I'll give you the first one's De Carlos. I'll give you the second one, Alessandro Del Piero. Yeah. I'll give you the third one, Diego Costa, who is number five or number four. Raul. No. <sighs> Heath. Um the, Kareem Benzema. That's that's not a bad shout, but no. Our producer says, Desnor says, uh, Erlen Haaland. And uh, by the way, please, uh, if you're watching this, please uh, add your questions. Erlen is that Haaland? it? It is Erlen Haaland. No, Desnor. Well, you hey, know what? Yeah, he's got the internet, man. I'm exactly. out here. I'm, I'm focusing on the people. Exactly. Desnor. Yes. All of us are focusing on screen, trying to be pretty. Desnor is in the background. Like, yeah, I have a big brain, guys. <laughs> First, okay, I mean, Des. imagine... Scoring in your first four appearances, those those are some big time names. Zay Carlos was sick. Alessandro Del Piero, sick. Diego Costa, depending on if you think he should have been Brazilian and <laughs> played for Brazil or <laughs> played for Spain. Uh, obviously, tremendous player at the peak of his game in early in Holland. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So we have yeah. two active players right now in that in that statistic. That's that's fantastic. All right, let's move on to Group D. Group D. And as I look around, well. The sheriff, definitely, uh, I shot the sheriff. It's definitely happening right now at sheriff. I think reality is sitting to sheriff uh, Tiraspol as Inter Milan take care of business. Um, talk to me about this game. I mean, everybody pretty much predicted uh, Heath Beers that Inter Milan was going to at least do the job now and Shakhtar was going to slowly come back to reality. Yeah, you know, with Sher- with regard to sheriff, this, this is one that, 
I just didn't know how long this would last. They were actually showing that I I thought perhaps they would be a, a shoe into the knockout rounds and sort of be that Cinderella story. I didn't think they were good enough to go any further. It was nil nil at halftime, by the way, yeah. in this game as well. Yeah. But you know, Inter Inter are, have been good, and I think Inter's looking at at last season where they went out of everything in the Champions League and seeing this as an opportunity, coming off of uh, obviously a, a a trophy in the league, knowing that that trophy is going to be a lot harder this year than it was last year to go and get. Uh, to see if they can make a run of it in the Champions League. They're taking this very serious. And obviously after the 0-0, being able to score three goals um, is really impressive. And again, they, they should win against Sheriff, right? Sheriff are, are a solid side right now in terms of the form that they're in and being dangerous. But, you know, Lautaro Martinez and Aiden Dzeko are far better than than any players that, that Sheriff uh, are going to roll out on the field. And to be able to have a fundamental result like this shows just the progress that Inter are making in Europe and prepping themselves for the knockout rounds. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree that Inter had to beat Sheriff. I mean, this there was a lot at stake here. Obviously, getting fourth in their group last season wasn't a good look at that time. Obviously, I think it helped them end up winning the Scudetto because they had more time to rest and prepare for weekend games. But that said, they couldn't allow that to happen in a group where it was clear they needed to get through. Sheriff was their best chance to get six points. They got all six points in these last two match days. And Inter now put themselves in a good spot and actually have some momentum. Going into the Milan Derby this weekend, and I know we'll preview that in our in our weekend preview on Kego Lasso podcast. But but now I'm kind of pulling for Sheriff to get into the Europa League. They're only going to need one point. They got Real Madrid at home in the next match day, and then they go to Ukraine to play Shakhtar Donetsk. They really don't want to leave it to that, but it could possibly happen. Shakhtar still has to go to Inter and 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 go get something from the San Siro, so that might not even happen. That work might already be done for them. But I think it would be cool to continue this Sheriff story, even if it's in the Europa League. All right. Also, shout out Alexi Sanchez yeah. for scoring. Yes. No, no I'm not. I thought yeah. I didn't even know he still played. So it's, yeah. against, cool it's, against, it's always good to get a check-in from a goal from a player <laughs> you're wondering where they're playing at. It's against my Peruvian contract to cheer yeah. for Alexis Sanchez. All right. Uh, very quickly on Real Madrid, by the way, uh, winning... 2-1 against Shakhtar. Nine Brazilians, uh, to Jimmy's point about Brazilians doing their thing. Absolutely, Caleb. Vinicius Jr. right now lighting it up. Not selected for the Brazilian national team for these World Cup qualifiers. But Karim Benzema scored uh, Real Madrid's 1,000th and 1,001st Champions League goal as well. And Real Madrid advances to a record of 3-1. and one. Uh, Benzema, by the way, has scored 12 goals in his last 10 Champions League appearances and becomes the fourth player to reach 75 Champions League goals. Ronaldo, Messi, Lewandowski, Benzema, as it should be very quickly in Real Madrid, Heath Pierce. I was th- when I was thinking about when Jimmy said earlier in the show about Liverpool saying which would they prioritize the league or Champions League, I immediately thought about Real Madrid. Same thing. Which would you rather? Which would you prioritize in a, in a year like this or any year? They're one of those clubs that I just don't know which one means more to them. I know what, what it means to Barcelona to win the league year in year out. It's like they've settled into being this European giant in Champions League. Obviously being the kings of of Champions League. But again, Kareem Benzema showing that he's he's ageless and 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 Vinny Jr. having the 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 two assists to his two goals. You can see why I had the shout that I thought uh Kareem Benzema could have been the one that scored in his first four appearances. But mm-hmm. when the two of them on the same page and the way that they're interacting together, whether it's setting up, whether it's they're playing off of each other, allowing each other to create more space, having two threats now that are different in a, and when you're building out a, a a team sheet of saying, here's how we're going to defend against Real Madrid, it just changes the whole dynamic on how you approach. And it's starting to allow, similarly, when you have a Ronaldo on the field, uh, him to be, uh, um, Kareem Benzema to be isolated in these spots where he's showing that he's a killer. If he gets these opportunities in front of goal, he will punish you. Yeah. 
No, I just wanted to say shout out to Shakhtar for scoring their first goal of the competition. That was really all I wanted to add to that. Uh, Vinicius looked fantastic. I will say that defensively, Real Madrid, the goal that they gave up, though, was really easy. It was it was too easy for a team of their quality. Mm. And, and if they want to make a run at either the La Liga trophy or Champions League, they got to figure out that piece of it. I think that they will. I think Carlo Ancelotti has done a fantastic job getting this team to have somewhat of a resurgence, to be more consistent in a lot of different ways that maybe they weren't last season under Zidane. And I think they're an outside threat to make a deep run in this competition, like always. Like always. Champions League historians, uh, Real Madrid. Heath is going to stick with us for a little bit longer, but Jimmy Conrad has to go soon. Uh, Jimmy, your final thoughts as we round up a few other things. AC Milan tied with Porto, Manchester City 4-1 against Club Brugge and Sporting thrashing Besiktas for nothing. Uh, but you don't have to give me your final thought about that. Final thoughts from anything. No, I just thought it was another fantastic match day. A lot of good goals, a lot of narratives. And uh, I thought AC Milan were going to do a little bit more. But you can't sleep on Portuguese teams in European competition. Porto got a hard-earned result in the San Siro in Milan. And then I thought Sporting Club de Portugal, they scored nine goals and only given up one over two legs against Besiktas. And uh, Sporting, there's another team that they qualify for the knockout rounds. So you're not going to want to face them. So keep an eye out on the two Portuguese teams. I love it. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, brother. Jimmy Conrad, make sure that you follow him on Twitter, on Instagram. He's on HQ as well, betting tips, etc. And he will be back as well for a lot of USMNT content weekend preview, weekend recap with Heath Pierce. Heath Pierce in the house. Now, as we wrap this up of match day four, Heath, uh, from that roundup, AC Milan, Porto, Man City, Club Brugge, Sporting, Besiktas, anything that spoke out to you from those games? I mean, obviously, as Jimmy said, the four nil for for Sporting is is really impressive. You know, to to see a team you don't you don't really think of, about a a Sporting in in that regard, but to know that they put up eight against Besiktas, who are obviously struggling in their own right, but to know that you can put up eight goals, including home and away in back to back games, that's sort of the beauty of 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 being the having that third match in the Champions some League. Some good you goals turn too, around, man. yeah, some fantastic goals. You you turn around and you play them again. The upside for a Besiktas is you would then approach it saying, hey, listen, uh, we're going to play this team that just put up four on us. We should probably, at, at home, we're now going to go away. We should probably change the way in which we're going to play. Besiktas obviously didn't do that. They had a red card in that match as well. And so uh, really impressive performance from Sporting, who I think, again, are, are as Jimmy mentioned, could be a, a sleeping giant in, in this competition. Obviously not a sleeping giant because they're showing that they can score goals, but maybe still under undervalued or under-respected in the way that they could be in the knockout rounds. Definitely compared to others, a sleeping giant. And by the way, Sporting has every chance of making this because they're tied on points in Group C with Borussia Dortmund. Besiktas are out, obviously, with zero points but man city as well quietly doing their thing and actually they top their group now yeah keith pierce and by, and by the way yeah, yeah and not so much about man city because again they were they were at one 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 i believe at one point they were down one nil to to Brugge, and then you know you kind of see them found their form it's a, it's a it's a theme that we saw a lot last year with man city where they get a wake-up call giving up a goal and then all of a sudden they start to play or they go these long periods and all of a sudden they wake up and you're like whoa this is a completely different type of team you could see that in this match where uh, Man City are one of those teams and and occasionally it happens where they don't score the goal, but you can see the goals coming for a while. There's this build-up play and you can feel this sort of lean that starts to happen where they just wear you down and break you down. And now they're in these deep little positions and they're cutting balls back and creating goal-scoring opportunities. But the thing that I wanted to talk about, and I'm happy to jump back to that one if, if, if you had more thoughts on that, was the AC Milan game. 
Mm. And we're sort of seeing the, the, the trend with AC Milan now on one point now after four games, bottom of the table. Uh, Atletico Madrid are are just above them on four points. Sporto, uh, uh, Sporto, FC Porto <laughs> are on five points. Liverpool Which is amazing. On, on, yeah, Second yeah. in the group, yeah. Fantastic. And and uh, I'm I'm seeing this uh, AC Milan thing where I don't think AC Milan are actually, and you can see the table now if you're watching this uh, on YouTube, uh, you know, Milan have the makings of the same thing that Inter, Inter Milan had last year. Jimmy mentioned it before he jumped off. When Inter Milan were knocked out of everything, yes, it's a huge hit. When you're a player in that locker room, you're like, man, this is what failure looks like. But guess what? We've got this other thing that we're competing for. Let's put all of our eggs in this one basket. We can rotate the team better here than having to rotate it between here, you know, the league and the cup and Europe and all these things that you have to manage the schedule. AC Milan are not deep enough to make a, a super deep run in Champions League this year. But I do think they're deep enough if, enough if they use those players to win Serie A. And so while it sounds counterintuitive and, and stupid to think that them getting knocked out is a benefit for them, I don't think they have a chance to win it. So this is their best odds of actually not even going in Europa League in the same way that Inter finished fourth. It sucks. It's not a great thing for the league or exposure showing that you can't do well in Europe, but it ultimately helps them in the long run in their quest for a title. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly right. The blue narrative of Inter Milan from last year when they got knocked out and they couldn't make it to the knockout stages could go to AC Milan on the red side. And, you know, if you're fighting hard with Napoli, who also have their own ambitions as well. And you probably want, as you mentioned, as you said, all the eggs in one basket. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, Des Norris, I don't know if you're going to put up the entire standings. Uh, you don't need to, but... That was match day four, and we're closing in, closing in the end of the group stage. Heath, do you, has your power rankings moved at all? Do you have a favorite still? We discussed yesterday Bayern Munich, uh, Man City remains. Uh, I have four. Uh, I have four who are, and, and a fifth that's really sneaking in. Do you have uh, any changes in your power rankings as we look ahead to who could possibly win this whole thing? Uh, I mean, I, I definitely have Man City up there. I think Liverpool have gone up my power rankings as well. The issue with them, again, is are you really going to see them top of the league and, and, and Champions League in the way that they're scoring goals right now? Potentially. But at a certain point, as you know, you start to sort of it, things start to take a little bit of shape and it could be the league title that they want to go after. I think that's a more important one for them. They've, 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 they've shown that they can win the Champions League. The Champions League also, you never know what that draw is going to be. It's all about draws and who you're playing against, the time of the year, the form of the team, the, 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 the actual uh, injury reports of the team. And so there's different things than having to be consistently good uh, for 38 matches in a season in the Premier League. So uh, I think Liverpool, I have them higher on my list. Ajax... As you know, I'm I'm a big fan of them, and and I, I would say that they're my my sleeper pick to to reach a semifinal and perhaps knock out one of the giants like a Man City or 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 a Liverpool. But uh, what are your what are your four? Well, actually, my friend, you saved us a lot of time. Mine's exactly the same, okay. especially Ajax. Ajax, to me, honestly, maybe it's the romantic in us, Heath Beers, that we want to see a team like Ajax kind of win the whole thing. But, you know, they have a history. They have experience. They have a manager that I really respect. They have experience. We have, they have youth. And they have a lot of young players who have been. This is the thing about Ajax that everybody needs to know. They are a complete system whether you're six years old entering the academy uh, to, the, to, to where you're a senior. And I think that really translates really well in European competition. And they didn't try to start a Super League as well. So we all want to yeah. root for them. Yeah. That's right, Desnard. That so that's well said. I'm, I'm with you. But you don't, I, do you not have Chelsea in there? or, yeah, or no, Chelsea, you know. I, Chelsea is an automatic pick, right? The, thing, the problem is, is that with Chelsea, they scare me a little bit on how 
sometimes conventional they can be. And I think that might be a problem for them this time around, especially if there are key injuries. But they always have to be a contender because scoring against them is almost impossible. But I think the power rankings have not left me. I always had Liverpool high up there. I still think Manchester City, even though they've just lost once in the Champions League, and that was against PSG, which, by the way, they were the better team in that game. I still see them doing... I still see them going all the way to the final. PSG, I had them as my winner at the very, very beginning. And I'm I'm not detached from that idea. It's just that, uh, obviously, as, as the proof is in the pudding, they really are not in sync. But I really think that all it takes is a winter break and then just being in the knockout stages and then taking it from there. Because we all know knockout competition is a completely different kettle of yes. fish. I would say that the only way PSG reach a final is if Sergio Ramos plays. And if right now, the argument is whether he even stays in the club. If, yeah, if, if he, I don't know if he plays again with his current um, injury sort of situation. And, and, and I say that them reaching a final because he's the only one that has the respect from each one of those stars to light that fire and say, if we are going to be good, you're going to get mad at me from time to time, but I've got to, you've got your job to do. And I've got my job to do. My job is to lead this back line and be a cohesive unit. When we press, when we drop, that helps Pochettino that helps, uh, you know, that, that just helps build the system of the club. And you need somebody who's big enough to stand up to these guys. That's respected enough in the trophies that he's won. He's got a little bit of that killer instinct. He's a little bit of a bully. He's a little bit of everything you need to wrangle in, in the way that you had your Tony Adams of the world, somebody that can be a little bit mean, but also has the respect of the star players around him uh, to, to get this team forward. If you don't have that, I just don't see anybody that's going to be able to look at Neymar and Mbappe Messi in the eyes and say, Hey, I'm going to need you guys to do more defensively. Or those three players look each other in the eye and say, hey, we're going to all need to do more defensively to keep ourselves in games because they're clearly not doing it offensively game after game or at least in a cohesive manner. So that's that's my one take that changes. If he comes back in, if they get him back at some point, which I'm not expecting, then I think he jumps back up. They jump in the power rankings for me. Yeah, I'm with me too. I think they're out of my top four. I have Manchester City. I have Liverpool. I have uh, Bayern Munich. And I think it's just Chelsea, but Ajax is really trying to push in there and sneak. And by the way, some good arguments for Real Madrid. All right, that is it, my friends. Uh, Thank you so much for being part of the show. Uh, That brings uh, the close to match day four coverage. But we're going to be back here again. We have so much content, including our weekend preview We have our weekend recap. And then after that, as I mentioned, Heath Pierce right here and Jimmy Conrad will give you the USMNT hour and a great, great uh, preview to USMNT Mexico and so much more. Thank you for watching and listening. Follow Kego Lasso on Twitter, Kego Lasso Pod. Subscribe to the Kego Lasso page on YouTube and hit the notification bell. And of course, subscribe to Kego Lasso wherever you get your pods. See, Heath Pierce, you got to, who is that? Is that Will Ferrell? And Will Ferrell, yeah. Des didn't want to put it up on the screen, so I just had to do it as my moment. How was that, uh, by the way? Heath? Was that fun? Was that the first time? It, it was actually really, really fun. So we we did uh, a play-by-play. Uh, I was doing color commentary for LAFC's game last night against Vancouver. Uh, Will jumped into the booth. We had a couple conversa- questions of, you know, about him joining the club as ownership group and the travels that he's been on, filming. Filming. He did a bit with Jason Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt. Yeah, they were all there. Night. Brendan Hunt, yeah. And then, and, then, and then we jumped in and did a little play-by-play, and he immediately called a couple plays, which was great. And he actually did a great job, knew all the players' names, had been following. And he's been away for the whole year filming a movie, but he's, that's how in tune he is with, with, with the club itself and the players that they have. And then started making fun of the, the, the coach of Vancouver 
and his outfit and his clothes, called him Mr. Bean, was making fun of the <laughs> shoes, the shoes he was wearing, which is like, you know, I could never get away with that. Max Bredos could never get away with that. But to know that Will Ferrell was there just kind of pointing the finger and teasing a guy, I was like, oh, what a refreshing take. We should get him up here once in a while uh, to do that. But yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. I love it. I absolutely love it. You can catch uh, uh, Heath Pierce and Max Bredos on LAFC content. And um, by the way, MLS is wrapping up this weekend there's a few more games left but uh the playoffs of mls are always crazy are always fun man that's a good one and actually we're gonna have some good guests coming up i can't tell you who they are just yet but we have some good guests coming up for that one heath pierce always a pleasure we want to thank jonathan johnson and jimmy conrad as well but hp thank you man thanks for having me hey thank you everybody don't forget to follow us on kegolasso pod i've already said all the call to action so have a great rest of your evening we'll see you next time Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the Men's Sunday Performance Jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.